Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. As soon as I started seminary, my pastor at that time invited me to preach. She said it would be good experience in a supportive environment. And I said no. I made the excuse that I hadn't yet taken a preaching class. I didn't know how to put together a sermon. But really it was just that I was afraid. I was talking with a friend of mine on the other side of the country who had finished seminary not long ago. And she was encouraging me to preach. And my pastor was being fairly insistent. So my friend Beth and I struck a deal. I would say yes to preaching if Beth would write me some instructions for how to put together a sermon. Sure enough, she typed those instructions up and put them in the mail to me. I preached in my home church for the first time near the beginning of my second semester in seminary. I continued to use Beth's instructions for how to put together a sermon for years, long after I had taken preaching classes in seminary. Her instructions began like this. Step one, choose a scripture. The lectionary makes this easy, she wrote, referring to that calendar that assigns four scripture readings to every Sunday of the year. Here are her instructions for choosing a scripture from among the lectionary texts. Read all the selections for your preaching date and pick the one you like the best. If there isn't one you like the best, pick the one that bothers you the most. If you don't like any of them and they all bother you equally, pick the gospel. (laughs) As a way to go about choosing a scripture for preaching, that immediately made sense to me. It still does. Did you notice what she didn't say in her instructions? Here they are again. Read all the selections for your preaching date and pick the one you like the best. If there isn't one you like the best, pick the one that bothers you the most. If you don't like any of them, and they all bother you equally, pick the gospel. Notice that she did not offer offer up the possibility that I might like them all. She didn't include the possibility that none of the scriptures might bother me. The implicit assumptions behind her instructions for choosing a scripture to preach on made sense to me then and now. I think this is a fair representation of the struggle many of us Christians have with the Bible. It often seems that when we open the Bible, there's a better chance of running into a passage that bothers us than a passage we like. There are, of course, branches of Christianity where we would be told to deny any sense that the Bible is problematic. There are Christians who teach that this is an unacceptable way to think, that the Bible is the inerrant, infallible word of God, and that it's unacceptable to question the Bible. But that's not really a United Methodist way of approaching the Bible, and it's not an approach that fits most of us here. The power the Bible holds is a bit mysterious to me. I question so much of what is in the Bible. It is absolutely clear that the Bible represents the flaws of humankind as much as it represents God. The Bible tells us that God instructed Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, to kill his son. 
this story that some person wrote in our Bible is not a true representation of God. Psalm 137 expresses the pain and grief of Israelites oppressed by the Babylonian Empire and ends by saying, O daughter Babylon, you devastator, happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones and dash them against the rock. This isn't the word of God. This is good old-fashioned human vengeance. The Bible says that an angry God destroyed the city of Sodom as punishment for the sinful actions of a few people who assaulted strangers in their midst. This is not a true representation of God. And these are just a few of hundreds of examples of violence or vengeance in our Bible. Being faithful demands that we struggle against many, many passages in our Bible. And yet, even with all in the Bible that is horrible, the Bible also contains passages that can be life-changing in their ability to inspire or guide or reassure us. The prophet Micah says that God asks us to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. And this reminds us of God's call and God's vision for how we are to live. In the letter to the Romans, Paul writes, as I said with the kids, nothing in life or death can ever separate us from the love of God. These words can be deeply comforting when we might feel as if God is far away. The book of Deuteronomy tells us that God conveyed this message through Moses. I have set before you this day life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. When I was 15 and struggling with depression, I clung to those words of scripture like a life raft. Choose life, I heard God saying to me. When words from the Bible touch us like this, it's not academic. It is a way God speaks to our hearts. The power of the Bible remains a mystery to me. There's so much to struggle with and so much to enrich our lives and enrich our faith. There are many Christians who say the Bible is the word of God. I've never been comfortable with that. Many mainline Protestant churches, maybe even most mainline Protestant churches, follow the reading of Scripture every Sunday by saying, the word of God for the people of God. That's always made me uncomfortable, so I've used different words in churches I've served. Maybe some of you noticed that point at which I changed those words here. Both of our Scripture readings for this morning talk about the word. Our psalm says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Like most of the Psalms, the speaker here is addressing these words to God. God, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Our reading from Matthew's Gospel is a parable, commonly called the parable of the sower. This sower, this person who sows seeds, goes out to plant the seeds. Some seeds fell on the path, some fell on rocky ground, Some fell among thorns or weeds, and some fell on good soil and produced grain. Parables are teaching stories, and in this case, Jesus interprets the parable for his listeners. Jesus says that the seeds are a metaphor for what he calls the word of the kingdom. 
many traditional interpretations of both our psalm for today and our gospel reading today suggest that both passages apply to the Bible, to Scripture. According to such an interpretation, our psalm tells us that the Bible is illuminating for us, that it sheds light to guide our way as we walk through life. And according to such an interpretation, Jesus' parable of the sower is urging us to be receptive to the words of Scripture, to be that fertile soil where the message of Scripture can take root and bear fruit. But I think there's a better way to think about what we might mean when we talk about God's Word. And I think there's a better way to think about Scripture rather than equating the Bible with God's Word. I do believe that God speaks to us. When I say speak, I don't necessarily mean words either, but rather any way God reveals God's self to us. I also believe that God has an enormous range of tools available for speaking to us. I believe God speaks through the beauty of creation and through the inspired wisdom of spiritually grounded humans. Some of us hear God's voice in the still small voice inside our hearts that whispers. I believe that God spoke or revealed God's self in a particular way through Jesus Christ, who revealed that it is God's own will and nature to be radically compassionate, to overturn injustice, and to embrace those who have been cast out. I believe that God can speak even through our scriptures— that some passages of scripture offer such eloquence and spiritual depth that God's spirit can move in each one of us as we read scripture, guiding us as we find the wisdom that can be found in scripture. I don't think it's helpful to think of our Bible as the word of God. I do think it's helpful to think of God's revealing God's self to us, using a variety of channels that God might use. So if our Bible is not the word of God, what do we do with the Bible? I think we take it very seriously as the book or the library of books that defines the history and hopes of the Christian faith and our Jewish heritage. We take the Bible too seriously to pretend that we can take it all literally because we look at the Bible carefully enough to see how complex it is. We read our Bibles carefully, keeping any particular passage in context, because taking a passage of Scripture out of context is one of the easiest ways to misuse Scripture. As responsible readers of Scripture, we consider the best academic scholarship available to us. We look for insight from the people who have studied the Bible's history. We study the observations of scholars who study the Hebrew and Greek that the Bible was written in, who can help us understand how difficult it is to translate those languages into modern English. We gain understanding from scholars who have studied the cultural context in which the books of our Bible were written. All of this informs our understanding of Scripture. Finally, as Christians... We see Jesus Christ as central to our understanding of God and of Scripture. What this means for us when we read our Bible is that when we find passages that go against the kind of compassion, love, and justice that Jesus taught and lived, 
we can decide that those passages do not represent God's nature or actions. Jesus' compassionate nature and Jesus' assertion that the greatest commandment is to love God and our neighbor, with a radical definition of of neighbor, gives us a way to measure or assess anything we find in Scripture. The Bible is important. It is the foundational book of the Christian faith. And it is important that we engage the full resources of our minds, our capacity for critical thinking, when we approach the Bible. In fact, I think this is what creates that fertile ground Jesus was talking about in the parable. I think it is rigorous thinking and study that makes it possible for us to read the Bible in ways that bear fruit, ways that help us understand God's presence and nature, in ways that help us live faithful lives. We use study and rigorous thinking to make the Bible meaningful to us. And at the same time, I trust that the Holy Spirit somehow moves within and among us through our study, helping us find that guidance and inspiration where it can be found. So we Christians strive and struggle to sort out the role of the Bible in our lives and how we approach this mysterious library of writings. And as my friend Beth directed me so many years ago, we find the passages we like the best, we wrestle with the passages that bother us, and we lean on the gospel understanding of Jesus Christ, the knowledge that love for God and neighbor and a life of compassion and justice are the lenses we can trust as we examine our scriptures. Amen.